Good morning. How are you today? If you're new here or if you're wondering who this person is before you, my name is David Hogan. I'm the new children's director here at Grand Prairie Church of Christ, and it's such a pleasure to share with you the Word of God today. Let's bow in a word of prayer as we get started so we can, I can calm my heart and so we can get the most out of it this morning and what God has to say to us. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we breathe out everything. We give you all. I pray that this morning that we would just enjoy learning from your word, that we would just lean into you, lean into your understanding, your wisdom, God. And I pray, Lord, that in all these things that our offering, our hearts will be acceptable in your sight and that we would just revel in the grace that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, getting into Ephesians 6. If you want to turn your Bibles or go on the screen over here or do anything like that, just follow along with me. I'm just going to get right into it and then um, explain to you what I found throughout the scriptures as I was studying it. So the first question that arose when I was reading Ephesians 6 was, what does it mean to obey your parents in the Lord? And when I started thinking about it, what does it mean to obey your parents in the Lord? I looked over to Proverbs. I started studying it. And I found this verse, too, which is in comparison to the Ephesians 6 passage that we're going through. It says, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So as I was reading this in reference to the passage in Ephesians, I was struck by how many times it said, my son. Questions at this point, as I start studying these things, started to swirl in my mind. And my first question that I had from this is, who is my son? Was he literally speaking to a, his son, or was it a student that he was training up? Was he addressing, who was he addressing in particular? Like, it's a masculine, it, the word is masculine, so could it mean daughters as well? And when I was investigating this, I started to understand that every one of my questions was correct. It was basically yes, yes, and yes. And the instruction given to my son refers to a wise instructor who cares for their student. And the instruction they give is given with the care like a father. It is given with an element of love that if the one receiving the instruction takes it to heart and employs this wisdom to their lives, they will receive the best advice known on this earth. And the wisdom God lays out through David and Proverbs in the scriptures gives us the best opportunity to live well, to get the most out of life, to learn how to walk properly in life. It gives attention to the importance of scriptural teaching to, in order to live life well-lived. And every time it says, my son, it means pay attention, or it is important. Life is hard enough as it is. And understanding how to go about this is found in the wise instruction of God. So when it says in Ephesians 6.1 here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, it coincides directly with the understanding with what is wise. 
The key in the verse here is in the Lord. That's the key phrase there, or in the wisdom of God. And my question as I was reading this, as you probably will understand, I have a lot of questions when I engage the scriptures, is what is the distinction between something being right and something being righteous? Or what is the difference between right and being righteous? And as parents here, we know kids seem to find a loophole in everything, don't you think? But this distinction isn't a get out of jail free card either. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I could see someone saying, if my parents don't instruct me in God's word, then I don't have to listen. And this is absolutely not true. This part of instruction is not based on any special revelation. It's a natural revelation because it's written on our human hearts and it coincides directly with how we understand life to be. And we understand that this is the right path in which to go. And for a healthy society to exist, it's the first foundational truth in the understanding of what we should be or how we should be obedient to our parents. And in our hearts, we understand this is right. And when I was referring to this, I was looking at the context. And it was in Roman society. And at that time, the Ro in Roman society, the father had the full right to bestow justice upon his community, or his Christian household, his household in general. And in this day, this is the reason slaves were included in the instruction in the verses that are following as well. And this instruction referred to Christian households, and the distinction is where the father on the earth is getting his cues. And in their day, it was a right to obey your parents. And lawfully, the father there was bestower of justice for his Christian household, and he was the law. You needed to or else. <laughs> but for righteousness' sake, this needs to come from the Lord. Everyone would have understood the right natures of Paul's teaching, but the distinction was who they were receiving their wisdom from. And for righteous living, where you get your wisdom as parents makes all the differences. And the question is where you're promoting right living or righteous living. And this righteous living is only found in God. And if you really think about it, if you look to God's teaching as parents, it actually takes the pressure off us in general because we don't have to pretend to know everything. And even if you don't know the Bible, well, you can take any wisdom from Scripture. You can take a proverb, one verse, and make it a teachable moment. And each one of these little proverbs is jam-packed to walk through life with, to engage your children with, to say, what does this mean? And engage their fascination and sort of open their eyes to what God wants to say to them and the wisdom that he has for them. And so even if you don't know the Bible, well, you can take one proverbs and, and lead your family into the understanding of what God's wisdom truly is. And my point here is the basis for righteousness, our right instruction is only found in the wisdom of God through his word, and he empowers us to do so. So secondly, in verse 2, it says here, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life here on this earth. And so these two verses here are kind of a juggernaut of sorts. 
And in the Old Testament, this is not just helpful advice at that time, but it was a commandment. In Exodus 20 to 12, it says, Honor your mother and father so that may, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In Deuteronomy 15, 6, which says, Honor your mother and father as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live a long life and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, in these three verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, most of the promises refer to the promised land, the land in which God was giving to the Israelites. But when Jesus came, he cast a much wider promise. And no longer was it just the land that God had promised them, but now it was the whole earth. No longer was it just their land, but with Jesus' new covenant, we see God's promises, they start to go worldwide. And anywhere we go in this world, anywhere in this earth, there's this promise that you seek in the power of God, seeking righteousness. If you keep in lockstep with God, we stand a better chance that it's going to go well with us and we'll enjoy a long life. And in this promise, I wanted to include here that there are no guarantees, no particular aspect of financial gain, just a promise that life will be better. In the Old Testament, it was a commandment. You did it. You honored your parents. And if not, your parents had ultimate legal authority to dispense discipline they saw fit. But now, as Paul knows, we are not bound by the law anymore. But he emphatically implores us, his teaching, that this will be a benefit for your family. And it comes down to honoring your parents. And the impetus here is you, not you have to, but it shows you the best way. And this is why honoring your parents is such an opportunity. Honoring your parents at each different stage of life as well as very different. When we are growing up as we are children, it's characterized by the way we um, have instruction, or as do as we told, or follow direction. And this aspect lessens the chance that mom's shoe is going to become flying at your head. We, we understand this. We know this intuitively. But when we get older, honoring our parents is different. When we leave the nest, we share with them our lives. No longer do we have to listen, well, no longer do um, we have to tell, uh, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little bit caught here. But no longer do we have to listen to their instructions to follow life. We already got this in our hearts. But in honor, we include them. We share with them our joys and successes, our pain and our failures. We include them and we glean the wisdom they can give us. And this is not a have to, but this is the better way kind of sort of thing. And if you come, even if you come from a background where your parents were not seeking God with their lives and used the right model instead of God's righteous model, we still include them in the conversation. We can gain wisdom with just their life experience. And when we get older, we learn to discern for ourselves through God's wisdom the advice we take. And the level of involvement in our lives of boundaries were an issue, but any which way we include them.
And personally speaking, I'm in the sandwich generation of a sandwich sort of part of my life where I have young children and I have older parents. My parents are 83 at this time and they live in Kamloops. And, and so the way I honor them, um, my mom, on a side note, had a stroke a couple of years ago. And so my dad's the caretaker of the family. And so the way I honor with them is by checking in with them. I check in on their health. I check in on whether their taxes need to get done or anything like that. And I also check in on the fact if their health is okay so we can make the right possible choice whether or not they have to go to assisted living. I check in on them, I honor them by, by sort of figuring out what they need. And this is more of a practical terms, a practical way of honoring them, but I still do so in this way. And even after they pass away, I know a lot of us have parents that have passed away, but we honor them with our memories of them. We uphold them in the legacy that they gave us. And this is the way that we honor them. We choose the level of involvement in our lives, but ultimately, we show that we love them and we honor them. And honoring never ends in all of these things. And as it says before, the reason why we do this is it just goes better for us. And so at this point in my sermon, I mean, like, I know I paint kind of an ideal picture of the way in which honor works. But the truth is, the way of honor is a constant struggle because it seems so naturally that chaos can reign in our lives, just so naturally speaking. We can be at our wit's end before the day begins and we try to hold on to one ounce of sanity. And that is why even if we don't get there, that is the goal. That is our ideal. To honor is to try, to pray, to commit ourselves to continually striving through his spirit, to give him our everything. And this is why in verse four it says, he turns the instruction from the children to the parents. And in verse 4, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I know I said that the attention turned to the parents from the children at this point. But I hope that you see the wisdom and see yourself at every step of the way of this passage. Even in the address to the children, because at one point we were all children and all of us have had parents or had parents. And we also have the ultimate Father in heaven and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And being obedient to him, we are commanded to do so. And we're commanded to do so in obedience to him for our benefit. Whenever we get older, these things never change. And the reason is because it will go well for us. And this isn't a transactional promise either here. And when we follow his word, we honor him. But in, to honor, in order to honor our children, in order us to see what right living looks like, as parents, we have a responsibility to train them, build them up in the Lord. And this is what he calls us to. And I do know that this parenting thing isn't easy. I mean, when I was growing, when I a couple of years back, 
we moved up to Grand Prairie, I went full time into this parenting gig. And I can tell you, it's probably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. If I thought I was getting a vacation from my actual work, I was sorely mistaken. <laughs> and this parenting thing, really, it should bring us to our knees, shouldn't it? Because ultimately, this is where God wants us to be, at her feet, gleaning the wisdom that we can from our Lord so that we don't exasperate our children. And I can tell you first and foremost that most of the times that have exacerbated my children, I've brought on their wrath, is because I haven't been in lockstep with Christ. I haven't, I've been working off my own energy and my own way of thinking. And sometimes it's so impulsive that we can get into these reactionary states that we just do instead of look to him first and foremost for our truth and understanding and our wisdom. We can get so easily in these cycles that we just continue on exasperating because our energy is being found in ourselves. When Jesus Christ calls us to look to him first and foremost for our strength, so we don't exasperate our children, so we find the right in righteousness, and find an opportunity to honor him in everything that we do. And when we're in the parenting thick of things and when things become reactionary and fatigue starts to set in, we need to get to our knees and figure out who our savior is. Are we leading the way? Are we letting Jesus lead the way first and foremost to lead us into righteous living? And the point of parenting it goes much deeper than getting our children to do what we say. God never wanted us to parent our children in order to be right, which is nice, but it's not the goal. The goal is to live in the power of his spirit, to entrust our lives to him so our children can see Jesus. That's our goal. So how do we do this? We do this by seeking his wisdom, seeking his righteousness. We breathe in his spirit and we exhale his love. We practice his presence because we are caretakers and we need to resemble Jesus, our teacher and our savior. And exasperation and wrath, as I've said before, usually occurs when we're functioning out of our own spirit. So we have a responsibility. Jesus Christ has entrusted these little ones to us and his word is the life that we need to look to, our lifeline, our lighthouse, to shine in the darkness so that we follow him. And whether we start from a simple proverb and discuss it with our kids whenever the chance arises, or getting them involved in the life of the church, we expose them to the reality of Christ by giving them the roadmap to life. Whether that be training or admonition, we show them through the Bible and our lives. Remember, it's by training, actual instruction in his word, and admonition, which means authoritative counsel. And the authority we possess under the new covenant of Jesus Christ gives us the opportunity to be so much more than just being right in our instruction. There's so much more. We bless our children when our authority is rooted in grace. 
While we are commanded to do so and our children are commanded to do so, the impetus to receive God's instruction is found in how much he loves us, which he demonstrated aptly through the cross. And he bled and died for us. In a second, we're going to remember the sacrifice that he gave us. He bled and died. And we boldly approach him for everything. So, as I conclude today, my hope and thought is that you may be encouraged. Encouraged because we don't have to have all the answers, but we do have a savior that we can lean on to empower us in the path, in the way of honor. And this is actually the best opportunity to see our kids see Jesus for who he actually is. He's the lover of our souls. This is the reason why we do everything. This is why we congregate together. We build community because we love Jesus and we want to see his kingdom built here in spirit and in truth and the love he's entrusted to us. And so my encouragement for you today and the weeks to come is that you seek him with all your heart. You seek not your own understanding, but seek his righteousness. Remember, it's not just being right, but in Christ we are righteous, and we can give that careful instruction that he wants us to give. And this is such an opportunity to honor throughout our lives how we can do that, our parents and our children, and how we can come together fully and foremost in the body of Christ. We are the community. We are as saints. And as we do ministry together, I would encourage you to look to God, to lean on him in everything. And when we do that, his spirit is so present and evident in our lives that it can't help but be contagious in our children's hearts, to our parents' hearts, to everyone's lives. And as we do so, we do so in the power that he gives us. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word. Dear Lord, you've given us such an awesome opportunity here. You've given us the roadmap to life. And I pray, Lord, that we would look to you for everything. That we're not just looking to ourselves for our wisdom, but we look to you for righteous living, to go way over and above. And so your spirit empowers us. So I pray, Lord, that we would lean on you first and foremost. In Jesus' name, amen.